Yeah, I don't want to promote that sort of behavior. What other perhaps as you drinking games could we do? I feel like, I, yeah, there's certain phrases I didn't realize come up in my speech a lot, like saying super duper and straight up. Why do I say straight up so often? You have to take a shot every time Liz says straight up. Like, this is straight up ridiculous. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. That does sound a little irresponsible. We're going to be getting all of our listeners just I don't wasted. think it's... I, guys... Gals, non-binary pals, we do not suggest, perhaps it's you drinking games. No. Particularly not to me saying, all right, so... (laughs) (laughs) Or the world is ending. Or the world is ending. Yeah, don't drink every time we point out that the world is ending. You should just do whatever you want. You'll be blackout drunk five minutes in. Yeah. All right, anyway, it's been rolling for a little while here. (laughs) Oh, no. That's all. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome Welcome. to you. These are your cool mystery aunts. My name's Liz. My name's Samantha. I'm in a mood today. Me too. So let's see how this goes. We're recording on a Monday. I was doing a a little online fighting this afternoon. Liz is ready to throw down. I've already asked Samantha to hold my earrings. That's the type of situation we've got going on today. So I'm just gonna breathe. They're trying times. They really are. And you might go, Liz, don't get into fights on the internet. It's petty and stupid. I know that, but does my blood pressure? No. <laughs> Sometimes I just get really mad. <sighs> We've all been there. I feel like a lot of us have been there more recently. I mean, here in the U.S., uh, we got an election day tomorrow, our midterm elections. I think people are, might be a little on edge. Yes, for sure. Um, I'm trying really not to think about it, honestly. But by the time you're listening to this, it's done. It's going to be over. Whatever. You'll know. Hopefully it went well. Hopefully Hopefully it went well for America. Ted Cruz is out of a job, but maybe not. Get that Zodiac killer out of there. See, okay, so the other day was Halloween, and Ted Cruz tweeted out the Zodiac letter is Happy Halloween. About as tone deaf as he could possibly be. If you thought Ted Cruz could be more tone deaf. Okay, the only way Ted Cruz can seem cruel is to literally go, hey... I'm a serial killer. But also, he did kind of just kill that meme for me. My most, like, beloved That's meme. That's kind of a he shame. He can't be in on the joke. No. It just shows how little, like, self-reflection. Like, the point of that joke, Ted Cruz, is that you're a soulless right. wizard with wearing human skin. <laughs> right. Like, They're, you're detestable. Even people in your own political party hate you. Yeah. Like, you are the Zodiac killer. You know, I just have to take solace in the fact that this will all be over soon. Yeah. When the world ends. (laughs) Drink. Hope you're not drinking. (laughs) Sounds irresponsible to me. Okay. You're listening to an Unsolved Mysteries Rewatch podcast. Oh, did we not mention that? Yes. No, we didn't. We, every week, recap an episode of Unsolved Mysteries for you that we saw on Amazon Prime. It's hosted by Robert Stack, and he tells you about various things that may or may not have been solved by this point mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about a few missing people today a few missing people do you have any updates i have zero updates i have a minor update okay and is, is it belly is it the, that guy's name it's is not it? the correct pronunciation <laughs> of melvin belly melvin belly or melvin, whatever whatever the what's his face what the fuck's his I, face i don't even remember what his actual first name is now <laughs> but i know oh, his last name belly anyway no it's <laughs> I keep expecting a review that someone's like, these are the pettiest people (laughs) 
I have ever heard. Dot, dot, dot. And I love it. Five stars. Five out of five Bravo Sharks. Because we only accept five star reviews. Even the minorest criticism delivered in a constructive way. Yeah. They will talk about and complain about forever. It's, you know, it's the piece of sand that creates the pearl. Exactly. Oh, hi, Lenny I like Briscoe. this analogy. Welcome to the podcast, Lenny. Lenny just burst in. Lenny, this isn't a Patreon episode. Yeah. Hi, Lenny. Get out of here. Okay. So, no, this is a minor okay. update I'm sorry about to interrupt the you. city of Rome, New York, uh-huh. which we sort of went along with Unsolved Mysteries' description of this beautiful Mormon like Rockwell. and cute and Gilmore Girls Yeah, you compared it to the Gilmore Girls. Apparently, it's nothing like that. It actually sounds like a pretty terrible place. I don't know if it is to... Day. I don't think we heard from anyone who currently lives there, but we have. If you do live there, we would love to hear from you. Heard from a people, few people who said that like the crime rate is pretty high, and particular, I believe uh, Angela in our Facebook, friend of the show. Yes, friend of the show, friend of the pod. Uh, Angela said, "I lived in Rome, New York, for about a year, and I laughed out loud when you compared it to the town in Gilmore Girls." Whoops. It was a weird and tightly wound town. The best way I can describe it is the whole town felt like it was one bad blizzard away from reenacting The Shining. So that gives you an idea. That's a great description. We moved shortly after an incident that she linked to an article of on the Facebook group. Go check it out if you aren't already in the group. Where a couple of um, her brother's friends were killed, which is very sad. Uh, I also heard from Rob Christopherson host of the Our Strange Skies podcast. He himself did not live in Rome, New York, but he has a few co-workers who I believe work there. I may have gotten that wrong. Also, he seems to know everyone. Yeah. Most popular guy alive, right? Pretty much. And he said that it's not the greatest place, or at least it wasn't when he knew about it. So it may be an idyllic paradise now. Who knows? Maybe back in Robert Stack's time, it was... Look, Unsolved Mysteries tricked me, I guess, because it looked really cute. Yeah, uh, but... Robert Stack evoked Norman Rockwell when he was talking about it, so I believe, I mean... Look, Robert Stack I'll says things, and Stack. I just nod, my my mouth just open, agape, like, yes, exactly. whatever you say, Stack, <laughs> and I just accept it all. Yeah. Yeah, good thing he's dead, because, whew. I would believe anything he said. So that's my only minor update. I guess the other thing I want to say is I hope you all, by the time this airs, we will have had a Patreon watch party, which is a thing we do on our Patreon page from time to time where we uh, use an online application that is free where you can all watch something together. And someone, one person streams it, everyone can watch it. It's super fun. This episode is pretty bananas, so I think it's going to make for a good watch party. We might do that episode of SVU also. Yes. And did you know that you get a bonus episode every month if you just give us a dollar? Yes, we just a measly dollar released our episode for October. We do it at the end of the month, and we watched a crazy episode of Special Victims Unit. So here's the thing. Go to your mom's purse. Take out four quarters. She'll never notice. Give those to us. Yeah, and you can get access to our entire <laughs> backlog. Yeah, it becomes more and more of a deal every day. Exactly. What are we listening, or listening, what are we watching ooh, this month? Ooh, ooh, we're doing, Netflix has a new show that I forget if it's called Haunted or Haunting. I think it's Haunted. But it's people tell their ghost stories to their friends and family, and then Netflix recreates them in the absolute scariest, least realistic way possible. Awesome. Okay. So wait. each of us will do an episode of that. If you've already seen it, yes, we are including the second episode. Yes. That's your hint. Because it's 
bananas. I'm so excited. <laughs> the other thing I think we're going to do, and this is going to be for everybody, is we're going to release a bonus episode this month where we do another episode of Beyond Belief. Yes! That's an important update. Our favorite Patreon episode that we've done so far is Beyond Belief Fact or Fiction. Fact or Fiction. With Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Are you sure it's not Frank's? Listen. Should I just say Frank's the entire... Okay, we won't. We'll say Frank's. We'll say it right. Wait, I think I just said it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The world is ending. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Okay. Drink polar water. Bye! (laughs) That's the whole episode. Bye! (laughs) The show just ends. Yeah. Uh, What we did for Patreon is we watched the Beyond Belief episode up until the point where we get the reveal of which ones were fact and which ones are fiction. And then we revealed it on the show and it, it was, was a lot so of fun. fun so we're definitely going to do another episode if you've watched a lot of that show and you know of a particularly crazy one Ooh. send us the episode season and title because i've only watched that one the one we did yeah. on patreon so i don't know if there's any that are particularly good slash bad uh slash radioactive symbol send us a message on social media yeah because i think that would be a lot of fun and last year it's nice to do a lot of podcasts do a thanksgiving special episode because People have drives that weekend. Yeah. Gives you something to listen to. And last year we did Forensic Files, which was fun, but maybe like a little a bit of a downer. It was a little dark. That's Not cool. as dark as our Christmas episode. That was even darker. <laughs> that was a terrible idea. That was one of my worst ideas. Okay, do you want to hear what my worst idea ever possibly was? Sure. Liz, was it the time that you put a tuna fish on a raisin bagel? No, but that was also bad idea why would you think that would be it because i was 17 i don't know well that explains it (laughs) because i was at the school cafeteria and they were out of regular bagels and i was like i'm sure this will be fine (laughs) i was wrong (laughs) second worst idea (laughs) no perhaps first is i decided that me and our show's librarian megan should watch the movie troll 2 which i've referred to on this podcast before (laughs) i don't know why i keep talking about troll true but it's an incredibly bad movie where there's not even trolls i can't even explain how bad it is it has a bunch of goblins and but but lots of people like dissolve into just like green goo and i was like oh what we should do is watch this movie and drink shamrock shakes yeah it was disgusting I'm like, when you said that, even though you told me it was a bad idea i was immediately it like that's great that yeah i was like this is gonna be so fun because i used to love a shamrock shake because i'm a sucker for seasonal items oh for sure and i was like oh we'll get a shamrock shake we'll watch troll 2 this is gonna be hilarious and we're sitting there watching bad actors dissolve in green goo looking at a just glass of green goo (laughs) it was disgusting and it just it ruined both things frankly oh that's a shame i thought it was one of my best ideas but it was definitely one of my worst that's just how life works sometimes this is the tangent, tangiest, tangent, tangentiest, tangent. I mean, it's not really a word, so I guess I can't say it wrong. Sure. Should we talk about this episode of Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah. Perhaps is your favorite show. Perhaps, weirder, perhaps weirder a show you've never time. seen. Unsolved Mysteries. Let's solve some of these goddamn mysteries. Hell yeah! Oh, you're going first this time. I am going first. It's... We are on season three, episode five. So we start with a missing person. I like that we get a little um, sort of anti-capitalist realism for Robert Zadak. This yeah, is how the this segment is the em- opens. the income inequality episode. Yeah. 
it opens with this actually has very little to do with the segment so i just like that robert stack threw this in he's laying some harsh truths on you the popular conception of the caribbean is that it is a playground for tourists and a paradise for those lucky enough to live there in actuality the gulf between the haves and the have-nots is dramatic nowhere are these contrasts more evident than in haiti where the average income is less than three hundred dollars per person per year and I was like, holy shit. I know. And while he's saying this, he's showing, they're kind of juxtaposing the touristy Caribbean beach, you know, yeah, what everyone like imagines. Yeah, it's like white people playing in the waves, drinking margaritas, having a good time. And yes. then it's like, the here are the people who actually have to live in Haiti and put up with your bullshit yep. while scraping by because of exploitation. It's a splash of cold water. Yeah. And I... I was there for I it. I appreciated it. Yeah. But what is this actually about? It's about the fact that an entire ship disappeared. And it was called the Free Dawn. That is not me saying the word freedom wrong. Before you at us. Yes. Because at first I was like, wait, is this like attache case and salon <laughs> and cafe? Does Robert Stack say the word freedom weird? No. The name of the ship is Free Dawn with an N is a Nancy, not freedom. Yeah. Why? Not sure. Never explained. So, the reason that we're talking about Haiti and income inequality at all was because the journalism student, Lisa Bishop, wanted to write a paper about income inequality and sort of comparing the U.S. to Haiti. Mm -hmm. So, she was interested in going to Haiti to research her article. Stunning journalism student, Lisa. Yes. She looks like a model. Yeah, she really does. She's amazing. Is it kind of weird that we talk about... The, the the weight of the people who go missing. Like, I'm looking at this description here. Occupation, journalism student, date of birth, 1965, height, 5'4", weight, 105 pounds. If I go missing, is everybody going to be looking at my weight? <laughs> God, I've never thought about that before, but that's... Characteristics, blonde hair, green eyes. Uh, they said brown on the show. I mean, if I'm Lisa, stunning model, 105 pound sure. Lisa, talk about my weight. Sure, when I go missing, tell everybody I weigh 105 pounds. That's not going to help me get found because it's very not true. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's a that's a weird tale. Once again, guess what? I went on a weird tangent. <laughs> Also, while Robert Stack is talking about Haiti, and I think they're just trying to pretend he's somewhere tropical, he's wearing a long shirt, and it just looks weird. He's not dressed for this area at all. I think I actually wrote down that Robert Stack is looking more and more like a grandpa every day. <laughs> like, those high-waisted khaki pants and the yeah. long checkered yeah, shirt. it's kind of comforting. And he's on a beach. Yeah, that is what... Uh, he looks maybe like he's a bird watcher on a beach. You know what I mean? He's, like, yeah. not there for fun. He's, like, there for serious. Yeah, he needs a pair of binoculars. Yeah. And... They should have given him a pair of binoculars, actually. That would have really helped. He's looking for the last ship. Yeah, like, they they cut to him looking, and then you put some down, like, oh, hello, didn't see you there. <laughs> I was just looking for the Freedon, a ship that went missing, possibly in the, quote, so-called Bermuda Triangle. And I was like, don't you mean the Triangle of Death, Robert Stack? Come on. I know how you talk. But anyway, Lisa was dating a guy named Paul, who is my choice for MVM. Oh, I was just about to ask you if you thought he was MVM. Right, here's his mustache. What's interesting about his mustache is it didn't seem even on each side. He's but, not super put together. But maybe that was just the lighting. But it looked like one side kind of went up and looped, and one side went straight down. And I was like, that's odd. Nah, and I said, Paul, lose that mullet, dude. He also has a very stringy him. mullet. It's so stringy and greasy. Uh, I called his mustache the poor choice. Okay, yeah. 
It was Which, a poor choice. It was a poor. I mean, that's self-explanatory. The whole look is a poor choice. So Lisa met a dashing sea captain named Florian, who was German and also had Fabio hair. Yes, long, curly, beautiful hair that blew in the wind as he steered a boat. I assume. And she met him at some sort of nightclub or something. Yeah. And he told her, like, hey, you could hitch a ride on my boat. We have to go to Haiti. And then you could research your article. So you could go for free. And that sounded like a really great idea for, to her. Not anyone else in her Not family. Not anyone else. Her parents were very disapproving. Apparently, just from looking at a picture of this dude, her dad was like, I immediately knew he was someone she shouldn't be spending time with. I have with. so many questions about why they're so suspicious of Florian. Literally, this entire ship is gone, and everyone's like, we have to find Florian. He's responsible. I'm like, I, the, He's also missing, along with an entire ship. I guarantee her dad is known to like roll down a truck window and yell, get a haircut, you hippie. <laughs> that is why. Yes. That is, is the fact that Florian had long, beautiful, flowing locks that he was like, you cannot this trust this news. dude. In the reenactment, the actor is using the worst fake German accent I've ever heard. And I was like, they should have just hired me. Like, if you are going to get someone that bad, I'm not even going to do it now because it'll be, like, very rude and insulting. But it's, it's not good. awful. I was like, you couldn't find anyone that actually had a German accent? No, this is the only guy. Apparently not. So, yeah, her parents were like, uh-uh, no, do not do this. But Lisa didn't care. Lisa anyway. was living her own life. Her boyfriend, also, maybe that makes a little bit more sense, was yeah. like, I don't know that I want you going off on this boat with the Fabio-looking While I sit hair. here with my stringy <laughs> mullet and bad choice mustache. <laughs> to be fair, he didn't have the stringy mullet back then. But oh, yeah, you're right. His hair was just as greasy, however. So, he wasn't too thrilled about the idea, but Lisa was like, look, I'm going to be a journalist, I'm serious about this, and I want to do research for my article. Also, this boat was a hunk of junk. It was so It's not like this was a romantic getaway. It's like... like, I don't even understand where she slept or... No, the mast, they just... Everyone knew this ship was coming because the mast was, like, crooked. It is literally, like, rusted. It's painted, like, five different colors and, like, splotches. It's being used to haul, like, broken down goods... Yeah. ...that are being... Sold. They're things that should be in the trash, but they're being sold to people in Haiti because of the poverty situation. It is not like where you. She could just leave her boyfriend and have sex with Florida and somewhere else, not on this <laughs> boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I like I kind of get that he was like, mm, I don't know that I want my girlfriend going on a boat with some other guy for a long period of time. And it was like over Christmas too. So I sort of get that objection until you see the boat and then you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, don't go on. Like, looking at a picture of Florian and deciding this is a bad idea is suspect. Looking at a picture of the boat and deciding this is a good idea <laughs> well, is you're completely just like, reasonable. I'm not sure that boat is seaworthy. Yeah, maybe. Like, it seems like it's three boats that have just been welded together <laughs> and some of the, like, I don't know. I don't know. Am I being a boat snob right now? <laughs> Guessing. Is that a thing? Considering what happened, I think it's justified. Okay, so she gets on the boat. Her family's literally urging her not to go as she gets on. Whatever. Lisa's going to live her life. Gets on the boat. Her family doesn't get a call from her on Christmas, which causes concern. There were no reported storms at the time. There were no distress calls from the Freedon. 
but the family became concerned. They contact, eventually contacted the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard swept the Caribbean and found nothing. It's just kind of terrifying. It is. So, we have one witness who named Bob, who reads an article about the Freedon, and then realizes that he saw the ship two weeks after it supposedly disappeared. 500 miles from Haiti. And they show a reenactment of literally him looking at a boat and saying, oh, they're going to need their freedom. They can't even spell it. Because Haiti has no record of the boat. They even, the Coast Guard contacts Cuba because they would have sailed past Cuba. Cuba doesn't know anything about what's happened to the boat. They didn't have to stop there for repairs or something like that. No one knows what's happened to it. So Lisa's family gets involved. They start trying to track down witnesses and a couple people no one claims to have seen lisa this one dude claims to have seen the boat and a couple people claim to have seen florian which maybe they did but that doesn't mean like who knows when yeah their her parents go there and just wander around showing his picture to just people at bars yeah people selling stuff like smoothies on you know like (laughs) yeah maybe they saw him but who knows like that's not credible no. Also, her parents are convinced that Florian has abducted her and is holding her against her will. Yeah, or that she's been sold into sexual slavery the or something. The whole boat is gone. Florian is gone. Like, yeah, that's the. I don't understand the theory. Maybe okay. So the ship set sail December seventeenth, nineteen eighty-eight, and never arrived in Haiti. It was when her she didn't call her parents Christmas Day that that like raised alarms maybe they thought you know florin's hiding out for a couple years at this point none of those people have ever been seen again as of 2018 florian's family never sees him the other there are other crew members it wasn't just these two on the boat we don't talk about them because they're not whites but there's haitian crew none of their families ever see them again either not all of these people went into hiding to abduct one woman. <laughs> That's not how anything works. No. This ship sank. Yeah. It's tragic and horrible and kind of scary that you could just vanish off the face of the earth and no one would have any idea what happened to you. Right. But there... That's, but that's what happened. But that's what happened. There's a scene of Lisa's brother tracking down this woman that's holding some of Florian's things, and she's wearing the worst jeans I have ever seen in my motherfucking life. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ, are they terrible? I can't even explain Pretty it. Pretty bad. They're, they have, like, a built-in belt, and a, they're acid-watched and high-waisted, and there's kind of, like, a flap, and <laughs> the ankles go... I, We'll put a picture on Instagram. Lord above. Wow. Save us from these jeans. Save us from these jeans, dear Satan, who art in hell. Um, and, and then she's, like, talking smack about some other guy on the crew that she was seeing briefly and how he's a smuggler. And maybe they were smuggling stuff. Their ship also sank. Like, it doesn't really matter if some people on the boat were criminals. Their family never saw them again. Yeah. It, yeah. It's pretty much what it comes down to. Uh, so, look, I'm just really not a fan of Lisa's family. <laughs> Despite this horrible tragedy that's occurred. Yeah. There's... Because the, the thing <laughs> is, they, they seem to have decided, based on seeing one picture of Florian, that he's, like, a bad guy. Yeah. But he's... Why do you think that? His family is missing him. Like... Right. I, I just... I don't understand. So, the, the ship had disappeared at the end of 88. This... 
aired in 1990, October 1990. So it's been like two years. Maybe they thought somehow Florin had her in Germany or I don't even know. But yeah, there's been supposedly sightings of the Freedon over the years. I know. Robert Take Jack- a look at that fucking boat and tell me that's still just floating around, <laughs> never going into any port. No record of it. Yeah. There's no way. It's not happening. It's been seaworthy this entire time. <laughs> I know. Robert Stack, I think, ends the segment by saying, rumors persist that the Freedon is roaming the Caribbean under a new name. First of all, it's just a rumor. Yeah. Like, why is it even worth repeating? And second of all, yeah, Liz is right. This thing looks like a hunk of junk. It's not roaming the Caribbean. Forever? For 20 years? Unless it's the ghost 30. of the Freedon, because it's safe. Yeah. Maybe people have seen the ghost of the Freedon. Maybe. I am very sad for Lisa's family, but I'm sad for all of these people's families. And... Yeah, F- Florian's not to blame. Yeah. Unless he, like, purposely sunk the ship, which is... There's no evidence. Who no, no. Yeah. Why, then he dies, too. I don't... Yeah, I don't understand. It's his ship. Isn't, isn't this hunk of junk his? I'm pretty sure. Why would he sink it? I'm not picturing him over the side with, like, a, like a chisel. <laughs> like, I'll show you, Lisa. <laughs> just sink this hunk of junk. And then his hair blows <laughs> so majestically. Florian's actually Davy Jones. Yeah. Twist. No. <laughs> twist is that he was really a pirate ghost. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's a different mystery than we've had. Yeah, it was interesting. We haven't talked about an entire boat that went missing before. No. But no, it was no. a little irritating to actually watch. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Our next one is also a missing person. Yeah. Hmm. So they really pack him in here. Uh, the segment opens in Beverly Hills. So we're in a totally different part Which, of the world. Robert Stack once again wants to point out to you that the people who live there are yeah. very wealthy. This yeah. is a, this is an episode that's trying to teach you. Surprisingly woke, Robert yes. Stack. In he's this like, one. do you remember the people in Haiti? Well, their poverty comes at a high price. Or no, the riches of Beverly Hills yes. come at a high price. Exactly. The poverty of Haiti. Yep. Think about it. Think about it. So Robert Stack's voiceover tells us that this is one of the nation's wealthiest communities. But Robert Stack says the streets, sidewalks, and shops are filled with glamorous people living lives no. in luxury. Not one person they showed looked the least bit glamorous. <laughs> it's true. No. It's true. I, that's like my only note on these this mystery. These people don't look glamorous. They, yeah, they're not what you would picture when you picture... Beverly Hills glamour, but anyway. Is is getting your hair too bleached and too permed so it's just a frizzy mess? Is that glamour? And then sitting in like an average looking coffee shop? Yeah. Which is what they show? Is that... That's not glamour. I guess. So, however, Robert Stack says there is another side of Beverly Hills. As with most of the nation, there is a growing population of unsheltered people who Robert Stack says pass through and even live on the Beverly Hill on Beverly Hills affluent streets. He would like you to know that there are people experiencing homelessness even in Beverly Hills. Even in Beverly Hills. They're even living on the streets. That's what Robert Stack says. I think you probably knew that, but just in case you didn't, Robert Stack's no. got your back. This is not something I'm sure Robert Stack encounters very often. From his yacht? Yeah. No. Do you think Robert Stack is one of the people that saw the Freedon? And he was like, some people have seen it. <laughs> no, not me. Not, I, I, I don't want to say who, but rumors <laughs> out there. He's just sailing along on his yacht. <laughs> yeah. Wearing his fucking long sleeve checkered shirt. <laughs> What's that? 
The fr- Ooh, they so need their freedom. They can't even smell it. <laughs> Alright, in the summer of 89, Robert Stack tells us that one of these people found an unlikely benefactor in the son of an Academy Award winning producer. His name was Adam Hecht. and son. we a yes, producer. This is not son. the actually. Oh, okay. Yes, it's the son of the producer. Uh, his name is Adam Hecht, and we first see him on the tennis court wearing some real short shorts. That's how they were then. Mm-hmm. Adam, those was... were the days. <laughs> Indeed. No, what I'm actually pining for is I want the male uh, crop tops to come back. Yeah, male guys, crop tops. Don't you male crop tops? Male crop tops. If you're a man and you feel robbed because you're living in an era where it's not socially acceptable to wear a crop top, you should be the person that tries to bring it back. Yeah, do it. Yeah. The world's ending. Rock wear those a crop abs. Top. The world's ending. Wear a crop top. <laughs> I want that as like a bumper sticker. <laughs> or maybe because the world's ending, I'll get it as a tattoo. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, Doesn't exactly. matter. So Robert Stack says Adam was born into Beverly Hills luxury. He spent his childhood in an insulated world bordered by movie stars, mansions, and privilege. I actually really liked Adam. This segment worked for me. Yeah, it worked for me too. So Adam became a tennis instructor when he grew up. He was described as what I assume every rich person person's son's job is right tennis instructing or like water polo instructor yeah exactly they were like he became a tennis instructor and i was like because his rich parents were like well you have to have some kind of job (laughs) so i i don't know teach tennis i guess that's a great impersonation of his mom's fake accent his mom before we get into this and it gets sad his mom has the most cliche rich person voice i have ever heard like someone i think it's real on or a do you sitcom think, would have. Do you think she's made that up? I I just don't know what to say, Samantha. <laughs> I don't know. You think Liz is exaggerating? No, it sounds exactly I, like that. I just want my son to come home. I'm, I'm not angry with him. I was like, you are not real. You are a cartoon of a woman. Take it back. <laughs> she's, yeah, literally a cartoon. It's, it's, I did not realize people actually talked like that. In I, my Midwest life, I'm not coming into contact I with the- I have a hard time believing that that's like her real voice you do <laughs> she has to be faking it it's it's something yeah it's something it's, okay oh he was described by those who knew him as bright independent and friendly on the morning of january 10th 1989 adam and his brother harold went for breakfast at the quote local delicatessen I just said it wrong. Delicatessen. I can't even say it like Robert Sack says it. Whatever. It looks like a dump, honestly. Yeah, it was not. This is where rich people eat. It was a diner. Yeah. Anyway, as they were entering the restaurant, they encountered a man who was living on the street. He was blind in one eye. A few minutes after being seated, Adam left the table to go back outside. Adam's brother is absolutely shocked to this day that Adam talked to a homeless man. Yeah, this is what's so interesting about Adam, is uh, his family seems like they suck. Yeah, his brother... Like, real bad. His brother is practically gasping he and clutching his pearls. seems more upset that he talked to someone that was not wealthy than the fact that he is missing. Yes. <laughs> he is, like, more shocked. I was like, I, I, I just... <laughs> why, why was he talking to him? <laughs> And it's not, Again, it's not, not an exaggeration. It's not, oh, I miss my brother. I wish my brother was home. Like, no. that would make sense. Here's the exact quote. And he went outside and he started talking to this person. I couldn't understand it. I was quite surprised. I didn't understand what was his reason for going out there. 
this is him knowing he's on television, probably trying to make himself look good. And he's like, everyone's going to relate to this. <laughs> uh, like, I'm all set. And then, yeah, I'm sure that's his his mom was at her most like, well, I've just got to be genuine to the American people. Like, <laughs> that was her keeping it real for us. Yeah. I hate these people. Not Adam, though. <laughs> I like Adam. I like Adam. <laughs> but his family is something else. They're a piece of work. So when they left the restaurant, they parted ways. Adam told his brother that he would catch him later. He had to make a quick phone call. But just before he got into his car, Harold looked back to find that Adam was again talking to the homeless man he was having a conversation with a human that perhaps didn't have a good place to live I, words what escape, words escape me he was harold was so shocked he really was like you're not gonna believe this i hope you're sitting the fuck down <laughs> my brother once talked to someone and they're I, not rich. i don't even think he was middle class <laughs> And then, yeah, pearls just fall off the, <laughs> fall all over the place, and monocles fall into drinks, and it's so ridiculous. It's something. So we learned that the man Adam met outside the delicatessen was a man named Tony. Adam soon invited Tony to move into his apartment. We see Robert Stack outside of what could be the apartment building. He says that Tony was introduced to a lifestyle that was, quote, as far away from his experience as night from day. I think those are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, good for Adam. Mm-hmm. He realized there was no... He, he's not rich because of anything he did. He just has rich parents. Yeah, exactly. And he saw Tony and he was like, why doesn't this guy have what I have? I could help this guy out. Yeah, it's cool. And it seems like they became friends. Yeah, so. he seemed interested in stuff Tony had to say and I... He wasn't just one of the unwashed, huddled masses like his family sees them? Yeah, he is an individual person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Amazing. goodness. So It's kind of a wonder that Adam turned out like this, given... I know. I, I th- That part is the cool story. We are told that Adam and Tony hit it off because Adam had become, quote, disillusioned with his pampered life. Oh, I think that's code for becoming sick of his family. Yeah, I think so. Which, that's fine. Can't blame him. Yeah. But, Robert Stack says, what started out as a gesture of a good Samaritan may have escalated into a nightmare. Because today, Adam Hecht is missing. Yeah. So, soon after Tony moved into Adam's apartment, Adam brought him over to his mother's house for dinner. Robert's deck says she was surprised that Adam would shelter a street person. She, if this reenactment is accurate, and I assume that it is. For sure. She is Asking questions about Tony to Adam as if Tony is not right there is basically like, Samantha, why, why is he doing this? And it's not like she's even, I mean, it still wouldn't be acceptable, but she's asking questions like, what's his deal? Yeah. It's, what's it's up with this guy? Rude questions while he's sitting right, right there. Right next to her. So, and before we get there, we get to see her meet Tony where she oh. looks absolutely terrified. Yes. Uh, she says, I thought, my goodness, that's strange. I couldn't understand it until I met Tony. When I met Tony, I thought, my goodness, it's so nice that Adam wants to help him. She says, my goodness, every, like... Yes, yes. That's how she ends every sentence. It's it's her version of that, like, the F word for me. Mm -hmm. The reenactment, oh yeah, of Adam bringing Tony over to his mother's house for the first time is hilarious. She looks so frightened, 
I wrote down that it's almost like Adam brought a grizzly bear to her front door. <laughs> she literally looks she petrified. Like, oh, she like is startled and steps back and and kind of is like trying to close the door on Tony. Her eyes are bulging out of her head. She's yeah. looking back and forth between Tony and Adam, like like what's this? And I don't think this was a great idea, Adam. No. I don't know if this was to like maybe get back at your mom a little bit or you wanted to show her her own prejudice or what. I kind of think that's probably what his motivation was. But he just underestimated his ability to open her eyes. Yeah, yeah. Or her ability to open her eyes. Yeah. Because the next statement we get from his mom is when I saw Tony and how he talked and my God, the smell. It was scary. Really scary. This is a hot. Did she left her house has she ever like interacted no. with the actual like outside world in any meaningful way i am positive this is probably her first interaction with this is what i like about homeless. public transportation everybody uses it except rich people it's like it has a bouncer that keeps <laughs> rich people out it's the greatest place on earth yeah uh yeah i'm sure this is her first interaction with anyone who's I think she would consider, like, we're tipping the barista at her, like, the college barista at her local, like, latte joint. Sure. To be, like, a, a good deed. Like, that was her interacting with, the with, like, real <laughs> right. people. Oh, here you go. Yeah. You need it more than I. I'm sure you live in squalor. <laughs> and her, I'm sure her idea of squalor is, like... I think we're in squalor right now. Yeah. I'm sure she would be horrified by this place. Yeah. So during a meal of what looks like two McDonald's hamburgers and a basket of fries. Yeah. I Apparently they weren't willing to make food to pretend to have this dinner. They clearly just like got fast food and then were acting like the mom had made it or I'm not even sure. It's not clear. Uh, Tony started to wave his hands over his food as if he were blessing it is how it's described. Adam's mother looks petrified. She's is- really like turning to Adam and is like, what is Tony doing? As if, A, she couldn't ask. Also, he's sitting literally he's next to her. He's sitting right there, and he's basically, I don't know, saying grace or whatever. Is it that weird? Yeah. So? Yeah. Who cares? So, Adam tells his mother that Tony was helping him mature as a per- person, which I think is really nice of Adam to say, like, he's actually helping me. Like, I'm actually getting a lot yeah. from my relationship with him, which was, I think, really... Right. It says it was, a lot about Adam's as a person. It, I don't think this was a situation where adam was trying to do something nice just to make himself look better which is still something nice but you know what i mean like it wasn't a thing where adam was just trying to give himself on a back pat on the back and be like oh i just couldn't help the unfortunate yeah i couldn't help i saw poor tony here and and i said oh what can i do who me adam a man of means yeah yeah I think he, yeah, was actually interested in things Tony had to say and interested in their friendship. And they were, yeah, both getting something out of it. It was a a two-way street. Mm -hmm. I think so. So next we meet Adam's sister, Rebecca. And I wrote a note to myself to have Liz describe Rebecca. (sighs) She's a twat. (laughs) I don't know. She is like a privileged teen in a 90s teen movie. Uh Uh-huh. She's not the, like, main rich girl. She's not pretty enough to be the main rich girl. She's, like, the main girl's mean friend. That's exactly exactly <laughs> who she is. She says that Adam went from being an elite preppy businessman to a, quote, mystical person. He's she not said, a businessman. He's a 
tennis instructor. He doesn't do any business. What's his business? Also, I just... Tennis lessons? I love that her, like, ideal person is an elite preppy businessman. My least favorite kind of and person. And he turned into someone I just didn't know anymore. He's someone with mystical. beliefs and feelings. It was gross. <laughs> yeah. She seems... I'm surprised she wasn't chewing gum while they were interviewing her. That's like... I just don't know what happened to Adam. <laughs> he got real weird, guys. Everyone in the segment is a character from a fucking movie. Yeah, these are... Not, I would love for this to be a beyond belief where they went, actually, all of that was fake because obviously these are not real people. I can't... Because next we meet real life Harold. Uh, yeah. Boy, oh boy, does this dude look like the person I hate most in this world. (laughs) He's got... He looks like a caricature of a preppy rich dude. I mean, this is that era where all of our ideas of, like preppy annoying people come from like beverly hills in the early 90s like that idea of like polo shirts and convertibles and yeah tennis lessons and yeah who knew it was real what you thought was just like an exaggerated caricature (laughs) of wealth and like turns out it was totally real yeah who knew because this guy has tall hair yeah it's like square it's just big it kind of bulges out in the front i can't even describe it he has the pouties most voluptuous lips <laughs> that he like purposely kind of sticks out when he talks yeah especially his bottom lip i think there might be some early fillers going on yeah his chin is always kind of pointed down like i i can't even describe he's it he's like the mean guy in a ski movie yeah yeah he's gonna challenge you to a race down the hill <laughs> for the girl yeah so he says that he thought adam was doing quote a noble thing yeah, he's trying to make himself sound real good. He thinks there's some pussy in him for this. He's like, not only am I going to be on TV, but I'm going to sound like fucking Mother Teresa. Uh-huh. But he doesn't actually know how nice good people sound. Yeah, because he seems to have a hard time calling homeless people people. Yeah. Yeah. He says, this is a, a direct quote, Adam's involvement with street people... <laughs> It's actually tragic and sad. But these people are so ridiculous that all I want to do is ask Samantha, how many sweaters did this guy own? (laughs) A a whole closet full. Like, he would open it up and just every color of, like, (laughs) Ralph Lauren sweater. They're all pastel. And he's like, I've never thrown worn any of these, but they're all last season. (laughs) Don't, no, the help can't have them. Burn them all. I don't... I can't believe these people are real. Like, I feel like someone once got fired because they dropped his lobster fork. (laughs) Right? That's who we're talking about. When this guy does something wrong, he blames the maid and the maid gets fired. 100%. 100%. So with Tony at his side, Adam started visiting Skid Row at night. With Tony's help, Adam handed out food. And then, just when you thought this mystery couldn't get any better slash worse, we get satanic rituals it's just thrown in it has nothing to do with anything (laughs) the next scene is a dark room lit only by a single candle between adam and tony who are seated on the floor chanting something indiscernible uh i'm pretty sure hail satan (laughs) who are in hell he is our master it was something like that. Having sympathy for my fellow man makes me evil. 
Was that it? That was probably pretty close. Dark Lord, we worship thee! <laughs> so Robert Stack says, quote, Tony and Adam would also share in strange mystical rites of Tony's devising. I don't know. Was in Tony of- trying to be a cult leader of one? Of, of one? No. His cult was one person, no. Adam. Maybe they got into some like new age spiritual... I bet they just like, who- discussed philosophy. Yeah, who cares? And his family was like... I don't, I just don't know what to say. I know. Adam has now read two books. <laughs> so ridiculous. They are so scandalized by nothing. Nothing. They have everything. Their life is so plush and perfect and they cannot handle I don't know. It's almost like tell someone told them how to pronounce belly. <laughs> Almost. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> so in one of these, quote, rituals, Adam apparently burned his hand severely. Adam's mother says, when I saw it, I thought, my God, Adam, what happened to you? We should do the whole podcast in rich people voices. It would tire me out. Yeah. I'm like out of breath. So she claims that Adam told her that he and Tony were testing their endurance and that Tony told him it would make him stronger. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? This woman is not a reliable source of information. Glug, glug. Um, I don't trust her at all. Yeah, who knows what they were... She hates Tony. Yeah. Based on nothing. So on June 10th, 1989, Harold went to Adam's apartment. He was concerned because he had not heard from his brother in several days. Adam wasn't there and his car was gone, but Tony did answer the door. Tony would not let him in. Probably because he was an asshole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this he is was his... like, oh, Adam's not here and I don't want to talk to you. Bye. This is what he said. Tony, in his strange, strange way, didn't have the expression or didn't know where Adam was. Didn't have the expression. I don't know what that means. Again, he doesn't think these people are people. He's so... like trying to imply he doesn't speak English or something, which I don't think is true. Based on the reenactments depiction of Tony... He maybe had some mental illness, but I also don't trust this reenactment because no. I'm sure they got 100% of the information from Adam's family. Right. So I don't really trust the the reenactment to have been an accurate depiction of what Tony was like. But if we go off the, re- the reenactment, it seems like Tony had some mental illness issues going on. Maybe. And had a hard time communicating. But honestly, I who knows if that's true? Yeah. I, I have no faith in this reenactment and... Adam's family's description of what Tony was like. Adam liked him and was enjoying spending time with him. So he's communicating on some level. Yeah, he's not... The way that the reenactment described him was almost like someone who would not be able to communicate at all. Almost like a deformed waterbed salesman coming out of a New York apartment after 40 years. You know, it's relatively similar. (laughs) Which, that's from our SVU episode. Sorry, non-patrons. Anyway, go on, So, I don't know what happened when Harold went to the apartment. He made it sound like Tony had trouble telling him what was going on. I don't know. Two days... I think he just didn't know where Adam was. That's not, like... Also, his whole family's fucking dicks to him. So, yeah, yeah, he's gonna be like, fuck off, I live here. Yeah, he showed up and he was like, where's Adam? And he was like, I don't know. And he was like, let me in. Which, he doesn't live there. And so, Tony's like, no. And shuts the door. Perfectly reasonable. Yeah. So a few days later, Adam's mother also went to the apartment. This time, according to her account, Tony did let her in. She says that while she was going down the hallway, Tony tried to kiss her and put his arms around her. 
She describes this encounter as being very scary. She gets away from him and in the reenactment says that I just want to know where my son is, to which reenactment Tony replies, I'm your son. She flees the apartment at that point. Am I supposed to believe this woman actually went in the apartment herself and didn't send her butler? (laughs) Because I don't. The way that they respond to this is bizarre, because next we find out that on the advice of a private investigator, the family contacted the Beverly Hills police. Uh, Yeah, the police are for poor people, Samantha. (laughs) We have our own investigator. Yeah. He lives on the property. He handles things for us. I have no words. So I really hope they went to see a private investigator in there. He was like, how long has your son been missing? And you haven't contacted the police? I'm positive that's how it went down. Because, yeah, according to Robert Stack, he tells them to go to the police. It's not a situation where there's something they don't want people to find out about Adam. They're not trying to hide something. Are you telling me that they want the whole world to know that their son was sheltering a homeless person in they his were, apartment? They were willing to talk about it on Unsolved Mysteries. We all know now. I guess at that point, but... We all knew the horrible <laughs> truth! The scandal! So they file a missing persons report and began arranging for Tony's eviction. On July, or in July, about a month after Adam went missing, Tony was forcibly removed from the apartment. Which, okay. Because it's better that no one lives there. Yeah. So a month after he disappeared, Adam's car was found abandoned on a Beverly Hills side street. On the windshield, there were several parking tickets, so it had been there for a while. The keys were still in the ignition, and they also found Adam's wallet along with all of his credit cards and $600. No other trace of Adam was found. So they're presenting evidence now because one of the theories about Adam's disappearance is that he became so disillusioned with his privileged life that he decided to, quote, disappear into the streets. Yes. So this is kind of like, I don't know, saying that he, that probably didn't happen. Well, yeah, no, that didn't happen. But also, I don't think Tony did anything necessarily. Well, okay, so here's the thing. So we're not quite at the end of the mystery yet, but Ooh. I did some Googling. Okay. And there's not a lot of information about Adam's disappearance because, spoiler alert, there's really never, never any information comes forward. But the police did investigate and found no evidence whatsoever that Tony was involved. Yeah. So, I mean, his family is convinced that Tony had some involvement in it, but I think it's just because they're suspicious of people who aren't rich. Yeah. And based on the reenactment, Tony was not white. So there's that other piece. Right. So there's no evidence that Tony had any involvement in Adam's disappearance. I just feel like he disappeared him, but didn't take his money. Yeah. He left his cash and his expensive car just sitting on the street. Why? Exactly. There's a, That doesn't make any sense. Like, if they were putting forth a theory that Tony sort of got integrated into his life and then robbed him, like, maybe. But he didn't get anything. No. He just got evicted. Yeah. So why would he hurt Adam when he could have kept living with Adam? It actually was worse for him. Exactly. So the last thing in this segment is a ridiculous statement by Robert Stack. <laughs> Quote, does Tony mo- know more about the disappearance of Adam than he is saying? Did someone Adam met, met during his brief stay on the street decide to kill him? Or did Adam reject his life of luxury and lose himself among the homeless? Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Do we think that someone at the country club was so horrified to find this out that they went into a fit of rage killed adam 
and and they don't remember it because they were they blacked out essentially maybe i think that theory is just as realistic as these other theories they said and i don't know what this is evidence of but adam had a habit of occasionally disappearing for days on end they say that on this show about every single person who goes missing and i just don't believe it is true yeah would you say that about anyone he probably just wanted a fucking break from his family yeah not calling his mom for three days the same as disappearing like no yeah i want to close this segment with a quote from adam's sister who wants him to know that his mom is just closed-minded and that it'll take her a while to understand what Adam understands. His spiritual knowledge is just so vast. She's not ready for it. I really like that this girl saw an opportunity to be on national television and badmouth her mother. (laughs) That's almost not even a plea to Adam, like, come home. It's like, what you have to understand is my mom is a straight-up bitch. (laughs) what she said yeah it doesn't help anyone she's no. just like insulting her mom on tv and now we all know yeah it's kind of great it kind of is yeah so she's just so close-minded it's really gonna take her a while <laughs> isn't that right mom <laughs> Yeah, so that concludes that one. There is no update. As far as I could tell from Googling this case, Adam has been missing and really no information ever surfaced. He's on several, you know, his DNA is in the NamUs database. So if, you know, a body's ever found, they might be able to Poor Adam, because he seems like he was a cool guy, despite having a bunch of douchebags for family members. It's really a shame because it does seem like Adam could have done some good things with his privilege. You know, so it's really unfortunate that this happened to him. I have no even theories of what could have happened to him. I think I said what happened. Someone snapped at the country club. Country club rage. Yeah. Yeah. It makes as much sense as any of the theories they put forth. (laughs) Which was like... It makes more sense. Homeless people... Are bloodthirsty? the Satan... I don't even know. There's not even really a theory put forth. It's just like... Mm -mm. Themes... Yeah. No specifics. This poor person yeah. lived with what him. What killed him? Poverty or the devil? <laughs> Tune in to find out. So so this episode has basically everything, uh-huh. minus aliens, because it's also got Nazi treasure. Did our, you see that coming? <laughs> our next mystery, the Lunar Sea Lake treasure. Now, maybe I meant to have Maxwell from Relic Podcast do this. One of our favorite podcasts. Shout out, Maxwell. Our dear friend that we don't really know, Maxwell. Our Twitter friend. And I don't know. This this season is just like speeding by. And I was like, oh, crap. We're already at the Nazi gold mystery. So seriously, last night, I was like, hey, Maxwell, what do you want to say about this mystery, this treasure? And he was like, first I'm hearing of it. This is someone who just did an entire season of a podcast on Nazi treasure. So I don't think this is a very important treasure. How is it that Unsolved Mysteries picked the minorest Nazi treasure to include in their show? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. I also want to say that even though it is not graphic, this segment does include Holocaust footage. So trigger warning for that. You might not want to watch that right now at this point in the world. I would get that. 
Yeah. So there is some real footage included in the beginning of introducing this segment to talk a little bit about Dachau and other concentration camps and just sort of the the point of history that this takes place in. You would totally skip over this mystery. It's not very long. It's not very long, and it's honestly not very interesting, and it is like, yeah, the stupidest treasure mystery. (laughs) We're bringing back there's never a treasure, everyone. I don't think this treasure is real. I'll say that right now. So, Dr. Edward Greger thinks that there is a buried treasure on this Austrian lake. Great. Good for him. (laughs) So, this comes from a physician named Dr. Wilhelm Gross, who treated imprisoned Nazi criminals. Why? (laughs) Hope you treated them with arsenic. Anyway, and he says that an SSR officer from Dachau told him, it's like, one of those things that well, goes that's through... that's a reliable yeah, it's gone source too of many information. People. From Dachau, told him that a treasure had been carried from Dachau and buried near, I think it's pronounced Brond, Austria. Okay. So four SS officers supposedly took... These are possessions that were stolen from people, murdered at a concentration camp, for one. This is the least fun treasure ever. Yeah. It is their gold, valuables, rare stamps, and even gold teeth fillings. Yeah, this is not fun. It's depressing and terrible. So supposedly these valuables were put into four large wooden crates, possibly ammunition boxes, in the middle of the night and, like, taken out into Austria to be buried so that the SS officers could get it later. Yeah, you bury a treasure. Makes sense. According to Maxwell, there are so many theories about different buried Nazi treasures that if they were all true, Germany would just be treasure. <laughs> and yet no one ever finds any. You which is stub your toe on ah, like a- treasure! <laughs> Again! Oh, it is everywhere. Um... So, yeah, so these four SS officers made some pact that they could, like, come and get it. I don't know when. After the war? At some point? I don't... Look, it doesn't exist. It doesn't so exist. It doesn't, it doesn't, so matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so, Gro- Dr. Gross, which is such a terrible name, uh-huh. shared this story with Dr. Greger, who was, at the time, a U.S. Army intelligence officer. And they planned an expedition to find the buried loot. However, by 1956, a dam was built in that area, which increased the water level. So the point that the treasure was supposed to be was under 75 feet of water. Because it was supposed to be between the only structure in the area and, like, this brook. Like, dead in the middle of it, they supposedly buried this treasure. But now that's underwater. So, who the hell knows? And then (laughs) Dr. Gross mysteriously vanishes, so that can't even be confirmed. Which, again, is like, no, this is not real. This didn't happen. (laughs) Someone talks about how they found corroborating evidence. What's that word? Corroborating. Thank you. I can't even speak anymore. Belly. Belly. Evidence in the testimony of Joseph Jarlin, who was a sub-commander at Dachau, and in his testimony, he does talk about, like, loading up valuables or something. So it seems like there's something in the transcripts from the War Crimes Tribunal that backs up the idea that there is this treasure. There is Did they steal valuables from... 
prisoners? Of course they did. Yes, we know they did. That's just a historical fact. But is there a treasure trove buried somewhere? In Austria? Like... Probably not. Yeah. The reason they think that it might still be there is that by the time the war would have subsided and it would have been safe for the officers to go back and get it, it would have already been underwater. So the idea is, is it still there? But people have tried to find it numerous times and they haven't found anything. And in the segment, I guess it's, I guess it's Dr. Gross. One of these doctors. <laughs> what are these, why is everyone in this a doctor? Is like, they would like, if the treasure is found, they would like it to go to people, needy people who need medical treatment. And I was like, no. Maybe the families who owned it? Yeah, it will go to survivors and their families because it is theirs. You don't get to find treasure like this and just keep it. Even if it's for some charitable cause that's wishy-washy and sounds made up. <laughs> this is people's literal teeth fillings. <sighs> I don't even know what else to say. It's deplorable. I, I don't even look for this. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's not real. And if it is real, you don't get to keep it. And... Uh, I, yeah, it would be nice to return that to their those families, but if the Nazis stole a bunch of valuables from people, I think they spent them by now. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's the reality. And the fact that these doctors can sit there and talk about stolen goods from victims of concentration camps as if it's a loot that they could just dig up. Yeah, that's why... Maybe I'm not expressing that well. The reason I'm getting frustrated is because they are acting like it's kind of romantic that this is buried treasure. And it's like, no, this is a fucking tragedy. Yeah, this is the byproduct tr- of something so deplorable. I don't even know how to talk right now. Yeah. So to be like, oh, the we could pillage, we could get it, and then genocide we is could not... help people who uh, I don't know have some doctor bills or something. It's like, well, that's nice. How about you just do that yourself? <laughs> Leave the treasure out of it. No. Oh, yeah. The it's... treasure. People's teeth. Yeah. It, disgusting. Even referring to it as treasure is gross. Yeah, the whole thing is gross. It just made me angry, like everything. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. No one's ever going to find this treasure. And Well, there's never Maybe Dr. Gross drowned trying to find it, <laughs> and I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, we got one more mystery. Can we make it? Can we make it through? Yes, uh, this is a wanted and we have a cold open for this segment, which yes. is unusual. So it's uh, we see a dark silhouette of a woman in profile. She's very dramatically bl- backlit by a window, and she says, "I'm With confused." With puffy lacy curtains. I know. She says, I, "I want her to come home and tell us why she did what she did. I'm worried about her safety, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Uh, cut to Robert Stack in front of a prison at night. He says that. You've just heard the voice of a woman who is in anguish over the disappearance of her mother, Kay. Is Kay a victim or a criminal? Both. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Kay Beeman was divorced when her son and daughter were nearly grown. For 10 years, she worked as a matron and corrections officer at the... Does that just mean guard? I'm not really sure what it means to be a matron at a... At a Prison? I don't know. It sounds sexist and dumb. Yeah. Uh, she was a corrections officer at a um, men and women's prison in Cumberland, Maryland. On Octo- uh, August 29th, 1990, Kay was on duty with another female officer named Michelle. At 12 a.m., Kay did a routine check of the cell block. 
All inmates were supposedly behind bars except for one low-security prisoner who was working in a room sort of adjacent to what they call the control center, which is where the guards primarily reside. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Michelle's in the control center. This other prisoner is doing some work adjacent to where she is. Suddenly, Michelle is confronted by a maximum security prisoner named Edward Barnes, who is somehow out of his cell. He leads Michelle along... He threatens and leads Michelle along with the low-security prisoner out of the room. Michelle immediately spots an open bathroom and darts away from Edward, locking herself inside. That's smart. Very smart. From inside the bathroom, Michelle hears the controls click and figures that Edward and his cellmate had escaped. I think Edward and his cellmate are brothers. Okay. Because they have the same last name. I don't remember the other guy. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that. All right. Uh, When she finally emerges from the bathroom, the two men along with Kay Beeman are gone. So Edward and his cellmate and Kay are just gone. Uh, Two days later, Kay phones her daughter, Leslie. She tells Leslie that she is okay, that she misses her, and that her children shouldn't worry about her. And she specifically tells Leslie that she went with the men willingly. Uh Uh-oh. So she helped them escape, is where we're going with this. Edward's cellmate was apprehended a few days later. He told authorities that they used Kay Beeman's car to get away. He also tells them that Kay and Edward had a romantic relationship, and what I would consider baby-making music starts playing in the background <laughs> of a reenactment in which it's Kay... Weird. It's weird! <laughs> reenactment Kay and reenactment Edward are holding hands through the prison bars and staring lovingly into each other's eyes. Hey, baby, what you do today? Not much. I'm literally locked up in prison. <laughs> oh, that's right. Cool. Anyway, it's a short segment. This is they're obviously looking for these two. Uh, we get an update on September tenth, nineteen ninety. Ten days after the escape, Beeman and uh, Barnes checked into the Beach Motor Hotel in Hamilton, Canada, under the names Fred and Sandy Smith. Fake ass sounding names. First yeah, of all. come up with better fake names than that. Fred Smith. Hi, I'm no, Santa Claus, and this is Mrs. Claus. <laughs> We're going to be here for the night. When the segment aired, Joe Mitchell, the hotel's manager, recognized the couple. He immediately contacted the authorities. This however, guy was so Canadian and so sweet, though. <laughs> and so oh, excited. Did you, oh, did you recognize that person? They're staying here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, cute. By the time they arrived at the hotel, the couple had vanished, but a witness told authorities that he had seen them getting into a cab shortly before the authorities arrived. They were able to identify the cab company along with the cab driver. He told them that he had dropped the couple off at the Red Rose Hotel. It seemed very romantic. The Red Rose Hotel. It's the sort of place you might hold someone's hand through a prison bar and be like, (laughs) I just wish we could get out of here and go to the Red Rose Motel. Where is it? Oh, it's in Canada. Mm-hmm. An officer checked the motel's registry and found that uh, Barnes had used his real name. I'm not sure if it's Barnes or Kearns now. Well, anyway. Either way, he used his real name. A few minutes later, Whatever it was. the two were arrested in their new motel room. The couple was extradited back to the United States. Uh, Barnes was given five years in prison and has since been released. Beeman also served time in prison for her role in the escape, but after the two were released, they began living together, and they were together until Kay passed away in 2002. I think they were really in love. I think so, too. I mean, don't help him escape from prison, but it's fine to be in love, I guess. Do you know why he was in prison in the first place? I, I don't think they ever said. I he was a I- maximum security prisoner, though. So it probably was like a party um, robbery yeah. maybe or something. Yeah, I, I mean, he eventually right. got out. He only got five extra years for escaping prison. Huh. So 
It's mm-hmm. kind of a romantic tale. I felt really bad for her daughter, though. I know. Her daughter was like, I just want to know why she did this. I don't understand. Because just, she left her children to she run was away like, with a prisoner. I just want her to be here to explain it to me. And I was like, you were the most reasonable child ever. That's a totally... Well, a- she was 18. Okay. Her, well, yeah. even so, though. I mean, that's still young. An 18 year old's a baby. That's still young, but yeah. her children were grown. She didn't, like, abandon her Otherwise, I feel like it's kind of like a cool, true romance kind of story where she's, like, breaking him out of prison. And kind of. They're going to this motel, and then they stay together forever. There's a but, smutty romance novel in here somewhere. But the fact that she just, like, bailed on her kids and <laughs> didn't tell them anything shitty. is shitty. Kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, but that's the end of the episode. Should we read it? Let's. All I right. don't even know what I'm going to say, so let's go. I don't know either. Mysteriousness? Let's start there. Okay, we have two that are kind of mysterious. The ship? That's pretty we, mysterious. We assume it's sank, but we don't know anything about what happened. I have no clue what happened to Adam. Yeah. So that's very mysterious. It's, yeah, like if Adam is just the victim of some other random crime, you would think his body had been found. Everyone always asks us when we do like our Q&As, what's the one mystery you could solve if you could pick one? I might at this point pick Adam's because I have absolutely no clue what could have possibly happened to him. There's really no even direction to go. There's no The police at one point were saying they weren't even treating it as a crime. They were just treating it as a missing person. And I was like... Because they had no evidence of foul play whatsoever. They were like, basically, because they didn't have anything to investigate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No clue. So that one was very mysterious. I'm I would give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I'd give it a thumbs up. I'm mysterious. How do you feel about the reenactments? Um, hmm. Fine. They were fine. They, they didn't cast the reenactments very well. No. Like the rich people in the Adam missing person segment did not look like the my goodness at all. No, they, they certainly didn't. didn't look like wealthy snobby. It was a little confusing, honestly. So, I don't know that the reenactments were all that great. No, sideways on that for me. Uh, fashion? Oh. Thumbs up. Yeah, we get I spent, like, five minutes complaining about some jeans. So, (laughs) thumbs up. We have to thumbs thumbs up. Thumbs up. And Robert Stack? Grandpa Robert Stack. Sure. Yeah, I'll give him a thumbs up. We get some variety. Yeah, why not? The khaki trench coat comes out when he's... I liked how they set him in front of the prison, like, at night with the lights. That was kind of a nice shot. Yes. It was. It was dramatic. So I'll give that one a thumbs it up. It gave him a sense of authority because he was so above the prison, uh-huh. looking down on it with disdain. MVM, I think, definitely goes to, uh, what was his name with the greasy, uh, Paul. stringy mullet? Paul with the poor choice. I did draw a couple other mustaches from your last mystery. There's Deputy Greg Robertson. He had the square. It's okay. kind of just a cop Standard. mustache. Then the taxi driver in Canada that drove them to the motel, I was calling the sparse. <laughs> because it was very sparse. And there he was, was a, trying to There was a something. huge divide. Like, it was like over here, over you here. You, you grow never you touch. Grow. Yeah. So. But I still think the poor, the, the poor choice is the MVM of this episode. Oh, also I had the disappointed parent. It was Lisa's dad. <laughs> But that was just a boring mustache. It was pretty he boring. He just hates Germans or dudes with long hair. I'm not really sure what his deal is. I'm not sure. Uh, so overall, it was a pretty good episode. Out of a possible five Robert Stacks, where are you at with this one? I enjoyed this episode, mainly because of how ridiculous it was. I couldn't Your even believe that Adam's Adam family was Adam mystery real. is handled in the weirdest least appropriate way and it's, i can't believe these people even exist yeah i like seeing these yeah extras from like an an early v- version of clueless <laughs> or something they're so so silly uh this episode is frustrating at times but it is good i'm I, like a 
four, maybe? I would say a four. Yeah, I it's agree. definitely not a stellar, like, I'm going to force everyone to watch it, but it's, it's got some weird stuff in it, though. Yeah, I mean, we liked it enough that we're going to do a watch party tomorrow, so. Yeah. Or Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway, it'll have been over by the time you listen to this. You missed it. So, I, yeah, I would go with a four. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's wrap on this episode. All right, our final item to talk about today is recommendations. Recommendations. So, I have a recommendation. I feel like they get randomer and randomer all the time. I keep being like, Wiz, you like a lot of books. Maybe recommend one of those. And then I went, no, I think I'm going to recommend frames. Oh. So. Everyone needs a nice frame. Everybody needs a nice frame. Uh, This is something people have asked me a couple times. Like, what is a good framer because you have a lot of art and you want a nice frame to put your nice piece of art in i'm an artist and i'm also a cheapskate so listen up uh you know sure you can get a frame at ikea you can really seriously get a frame at the goodwill and then just spray paint it a different color and that's not bad but if you actually want to spend like a bit of money and get something decent and custom made in like a weird size i have an etsy store recommendation which is signed and numbered we can link to it or something. We have a whole page on our website, perhapsitsu.com, of recommendations. You can go directly True. there. We'll You'll link find it. right to it. Um, it's in Salt Lake City, and they custom make everything for you, and it's like actually wood. Oh. So I brought an example. This is just a little one, but they're so freaking well made. Wow. And even the little back part is wood, and they put... The hardware on both sides, so you can hang it either way. You don't have to do it yourself. And you can just send them the dimensions of your yeah, piece. Yeah, you just, like, send them the dimensions. They have different styles. This one I picked a sort of, like, bumpy border wood thing. Um, and they're just, like, these things aren't going to outlive me. They're, like, re- honestly really, really well made. I've been super impressed. I've had to make a couple different frames for me for different things, and I've just loved all of them. Have you ever gotten something custom framed at, like, a Joann's? It's so expensive. How does the price compare? Because it's it is less. Real expensive. So I once went, I once had this John Hodgman poster that I wanted to get framed. And of course, it was like a weird size. And Joann's was having like a 40% off sale, which they pretty much always are. Mm-hmm. Right. So I went and I got a quote and it was like so much more than I was expecting. And I was like, oh, and then 40% off. And the woman was like, no. That is 40% That's off. That's with 40% off. And I was like, are you kidding me and she was like then the woman working there was like yeah it's honestly not a very good deal (laughs) (laughs) and it's not they're just they're fine but i think you are overpaying yeah if you're getting it that's they're not there's nothing wrong with them i just think they're too expensive for what they are i totally agree i recently had my sister is an artist and she painted me this beautiful watercolor painting but she the way she taped it down like she didn't quite do it right and so it ended up being really warped oh yeah so i had they did a really nice job of covering that up but even I got a seventy percent off coupon, and even that was ridiculously expensive. Yeah, like I, if you can, if you just have a strange dimension, if that's what you're dealing with, and you're right. not, you don't need some expert to press down something that you know, like what yeah, I yeah, that's I think, like a whole other I think complication. This could work great because yeah. yeah, they're really nice. It's a lot cheaper than yeah, like Joanne or Dick Blick or. Any of those sort of Michaels. chain stores that have a framing department, um, it's just it's just too expensive. Yeah. But yeah, if you need someone who's actually going to like mount things and blah blah blah, that's like a whole other layer of. But if you just have a weird shape, yeah, item. If you bought a piece of art and you went, why why is this eight and a half by fourteen and a quarter? God damn it! <laughs> then yeah, I would really recommend. I I 
Seriously, people will be fighting over these frames at my estate sale when I'm gone. Say the name of it again. It's signed and numbered on Etsy. And I feel like if you even just searched, like, custom frame or something on Etsy, it would be it one would of the first things up. that come up. But, yeah. Very. A great option. Very good. Well, I don't have a great recommendation this week, so I thought I would give two public service announcements. One's okay. kind of a recommendation, but once again, I'm recommending a podcast that's, like, huge. That's so fine. So, you may not be aware that the podcast Lime Town is back. Oh, right. This is a fiction podcast that was really big years ago. I don't even know when their first season came out, because when I listened to it, it, it was already, like, past... Like, people had already listened. It was it had been, like, a year or something. Um, so, they went on hiatus for, like, years and years, while they were doing... It turns out they're, like, making a TV show and a book and, like... This, oh. It's a fiction podcast that's, like, full cast and scripted Great. and all that. So it's high that production like value. so much work. Oh, my God. The first season, you if you haven't listened to the podcast and you're interested in a fiction a fiction podcast, you can binge the first season super easily. I re-listened to it in a couple days. Legitimately scared me. Like, I don't scare easily. I read a lot of horror and listen Love to it. a lot of audiobooks that are supposed to be scary. I'm never scared. This podcast legitimately scared me. Even the second time listening to it when I knew it was going to happen. Not because it's horror, but because it's very suspenseful. Um, and just the way they produce it is really, really good. I think that's why it got so popular. Anyway, you may not be aware that they just released a new season. I bring it up because I've been really enjoying it, for one. And also because we had a little sushi extravaganza last week for Halloween. Oh, yes. And two of our friends were there, and I mentioned this podcast, and they had listened to season one and didn't know that season two was out. Because if you have a podcast in your feed that's, like, been on hiatus forever, maybe you unsubscribed because it was just cluttering up sure. your yeah. list or whatever, and then you don't get notified when there's a new season. So if it's a podcast you listen to or you're just interested in a fiction podcast, highly recommend. Cool. I'm really liking it. You definitely need to listen to season one. Season two, two is shaping up to be quite different. I'm not totally sure how I feel about it, but I am enjoying it. So okay. maybe everyone knows that this podcast is out again. I don't know. It, obviously, they get a lot more downloads than us. I'm just going to say that. Uh, is that even possible? <laughs> well, we are the number one podcast on iTunes. So According to me and My no one else. Other PSAs, I'm stepping in and being an Unsolved Mysteries aunt, being a cool yes. mystery aunt, yes. and telling you to get your flu shot. Oh, yes. Good. It is not too late. The... Um, get a flu shot. Go to the CVS. Planned Parenthood gives out flu shots. Walgreens, get, yeah. Get L a flu shot. Target, I think, maybe. You can get them there. Flu season is well underway, but it's not too late. Um, the mist is available this year if you don't like shots. I know a lot of people, you know, some people can't get them, and some insurances don't cover them, but if it is an option for you and you're afraid of shots... Interesting. I have found no evidence to suggest that for normal adults, it's any less effective than the injection. Hmm. Uh, talk to your doctor. Talk to the flu shot provider. It literally, they just spray something up your nose. The flu is supposed to be pretty bad this year, and even if you aren't really worried about it or susceptible to it, you could You're pass it on to someone else that that could be a problem for. So it's just I, I don't. I, don't, I probably don't need to tell most of you, but herd immunity is important. There's people who can't get flu shots because they're too young. They're immune compromised. Maybe they have an allergy to something in the injection, and those people are only protected by all of us healthy individuals and people who are able to get the flu shot getting the flu shot so it's really important um if you are having trouble affording it google it there's options there's resources available to you um get it it's just it's really important yeah as long as a good remi reminder and i feel like there was now this was 
several years ago now but i feel like there was a year where healthy people weren't supposed to get flu shots because there weren't like enough shots for whatever reason that year that's not true this year that's not the case so definitely get it and also that same day why don't you check your carbon monoxide detector and make sure it's working I, i like this new segment on our show where we are your cool mystery aunts and we tell you Someone to do things to protect yourself. Someone called us that in a review, and I've just never been more flattered or proud. See, this is what happened, is someone called us MILFs, which we were confused about. Yeah, that's And not- then, like, the next week, someone called us their cool mystery aunts. I'm just that picturing... That we're much more on board with. I'm picturing the ants from Practical Magic, and I'm like, yeah, that's it's us. who I aspire to be. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> that's all I've ever wanted. All right, let's plug our shit and get out of here because we have pizza to eat. Yes. Oh, that's really what's important. So, social media, all of them. Perhaps basically, it's you. Perhaps it's you. If Facebook, you want to email Instagram. us, it's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. You can send us your paranormal tales. If you saw an alien, if you saw a ghost, we if love you getting your stories. Made out with Robert way. Stack. Let us know. Uh, support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. You get some good, cool goodies. We watch some cool episodes and uh, you'll get all that content. And we'll send you a postcard to welcome you. It's a great deal. You're cool. Mystery ants are cool. That's yeah, why. Duh. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, that's really it. Go All solve right. some mysteries, bitches. Bye. Bye.